Today's scripture reading is John 18, verses 12 through 27. So the band of soldiers and their captain and the officers of the Jews arrested Jesus and bound him. First, they led him to Annas, for he was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year. It was Caiaphas who had advised the Jews that it would be expedient that one man should die for the people. Simon Peter followed Jesus, and so did another disciple. Since that disciple was known to the high priest, he entered with Jesus into the courtyard of the high priest, but Peter stood outside at the door. So the other disciple, who was known to the high priest, went out and spoke to the servant girl who kept watch at the door and brought Peter in. The servant girl at the door said to Peter, you also are not one of this man's disciples, are you? He said, I am not. Now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire because it was cold, and they were standing and warming themselves. Peter was also with them, standing and warming himself. The high priest then questions Jesus about his disciples and his teaching. Jesus answered him, I have spoken openly to the world. I have always taught in synagogues and in the temple where all Jews come together. I have said nothing in secret. Why do you ask me? Ask those who have heard me what I said to them. They know what I said. When he said these things, one of the officers standing by struck Jesus with his hand, saying, Is that how you answer the high priest? Jesus answered him, If what I said is wrong, bear witness about the wrong. But if what I said is right, why do you strike me? Annas then sent him bound to Caiaphas, the high priest. Now Simon Peter was standing and warming himself. So they said to him, You also are not one of his disciples, are you? He denied it and said, I am not. One of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, asked, Did I not see you in the garden with him? Peter again denied it, and at once a rooster crowed. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading and the hearing of his word. As we continue through John 18, we are again working through the Passion Week, uh, Jesus' uh, passion. And so this morning, our, our passage moves in in four parts, kind of covering two uh, simultaneous events. Uh, John, in in writing this way, wants to uh, ensure that we understand that while Jesus was being questioned, that Peter was also denying him at the same time. So he kind of goes back and forth between uh, both both settings in this story. And so uh, before we get into both of the scenes of our passage this morning, one of the things that I think it's good for us to kind of zoom in on and, and keep in mind as we walk through uh, the Passion Week is, is the reality that, that Jesus is God. And if you, if you glance just a few verses up at verse 6 in chapter 18, you see where Jesus replied to the soldiers with his, with his famous ego, a me in the Greek, his I am statement, and the soldiers drew back and fell. And so now we get to verse 12, and we see Jesus bound and arrested. And so in in six verses, Jesus did not lose his power and authority. Uh, In six verses, the soldiers didn't all of a sudden become more powerful than Jesus, such that they could arrest him. And so as we see Jesus bound here, we must keep in mind that he allowed himself to be arrested. This was a part of his coming uh, to earth. Uh, Jesus declares himself in Mark 10, Uh, at verse 45, that for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. 
And so the time, this is the time had come now for Jesus to purchase the freedom that we now enjoy in him. Jesus was, a, he was arrested to set those free who were bound by sin. Think about it. How, how can you arrest God, but God allow you to? This is what Jesus taught in, in John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. It says, for this reason, the father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so keep in mind, at no point is Jesus ever at the, at the mercy, or he's never subject to those that are holding him captive. He was taken captive that he might set the captives free. Jesus was arrested not, not because he was powerless, but Jesus was arrested because we were powerless against sin and death. And so again, as we walk through this passage, keep in mind that this is Jesus' uh, willing, he's, he's offering himself up to the, to the suffering and, to the, and to, the, uh, to the persecution that he's experiencing. And so now as we look at the, the events in this passage, we see that John shifts to Peter. Uh, John kind of changes focus slightly as he turns his attention to Peter and the other disciple. And so many have argued, and it seems likely that this other disciple is, is, is likely uh, John, the author of this book. And we could spend a lot of time on trying to prove that and, and walk through that, but uh, I'll suffice it to say that I think it's John. <laughs> so, uh, but whatever your view on that, obviously that's not the point of this passage, we have Peter and a disciple uh, following Jesus at a close distance as he is led into this high priest. And so you see the scene. Here we have Peter. He's being brought into the courtyard uh, by this other disciple, the servant girl, asking him, you know, are you a disciple of Christ? So the question, uh, you may raise the question of why would this girl ask Peter if he was a disciple? I think there's probably many points, but at least two that we can look at this morning that would show that it should have been pretty obvious that Peter was a disciple. So the first point was that Jesus, uh, Peter was following Jesus. They followed him at a, at a close, you know, at a, at a distance, but still uh, he's following Jesus. We know by the time of the, of the rooster crowing that this trial likely happened uh, over the middle of the night. If, if you like me, you grew up uh, in, in the country, and I can remember my great-grandmother having roosters and chickens, and uh, you, I mean, you'd hear roosters at just ungodly times of the morning. I'm like, why is there a rooster? What, I mean, what's, anyway, yeah, so, so roosters crow pretty early, and so, um, and so we see that this was, this was likely a rare occasion that a high priest would have a trial uh, in his home in the middle of the night, in fact, some uh, commentators on the passage argue that this was actually illegal by Jewish law to hold a trial at this time of night or, or the morning. Uh, the second thing we see that should have been obvious that Peter was a disciple was that Peter was of Galilee, which was something that was obvious to those standing by. Uh, this is where we can look at the other Gospels and fill in where John doesn't cover. Uh, in Mark fourteen seventy, it says, that some of those that were standing by said, certainly you are one of them, for you are a Galilean. 
And so there was something that made it obvious to them that Peter was not from the area. Maybe it was his speech. Maybe it was his, something he was wearing. But it was clear that you're not from around here, so why are you here? And so for these reasons alone and others, it, it makes Peter's response all the more bizarre. If you aren't one of his disciples, then why are you here in the middle of the night? What, what, what are you doing here? Who are you? The question that, that the, the servant girl asked Peter should have been an easy reply for him. Remember, this is, this is Peter. This is a man that a few moments ago, a few verses ago, just cut off someone's ear for attempting to arrest Jesus. Again, as we look at the other gospel accounts, we can, we can see a little bit more of Peter's uh, zeal. We see in Luke chapter 22, verses uh, 31 through 34, uh, that Jesus foretold of Peter's denial. It says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded to have you that he might sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. Peter said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. Jesus said, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow this day until you deny three times that you know me. And this is, I mean, this is a classic case of, of Proverbs 16, 18, where it says, pride goes before destruction a haughty spirit before a fall. For Peter, there was no scenario in which he could see himself denying Jesus. In Peter's denial, what we have is the opening acts of his fall. In this moment, what we see is that he's no different than Judas, who had just sold Jesus out. I mean, keep, keep in mind who is denying Jesus here. This is Peter. This, this is the rock. This is the one who rightly professed that Jesus is the Son of God, the Christ. Peter was there at the Mount of Transfiguration with Moses and Elijah. He was there saying, Lord, this is good. Like, we, we, should, we should keep this going. We, we shouldn't leave. This is Peter. Peter was in the inner circle of disciples. When Jesus asked the twelve, will you depart from me? Also, after many of his disciples had left, it was Peter that said in John 6, and 68, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. It is this Peter, at this moment, who claimed he could die with Jesus, and at this moment, he's not even able to identify that he knows Jesus. And so while Peter was in the courtyard denying Jesus, Jesus was before the high priest being questioned. Again, John writes this so that we can see these things as, as simultaneous events uh, happening. The, the whole idea to bring Jesus before the high priest was a farce. The questions aimed at Jesus was nothing more than digging for evidence for a crime they knew had not occurred. I must say, though, that uh, these set of verses are filled with irony. Here we have a finite lower high priest interrogating the great high priest. Jesus here, he, I mean, he just cuts straight to the chase as he responds to this line of questioning. He declares, you, you know who I am. You know where I teach. I'm in the synagogues every day. All this time, it's been three years. No one has, has come and, and, and tried to arrest me. Why all of a sudden now you guys want to ask me all these questions about what I teach and my disciples? 
You know what I teach. You've seen the people that were there. Go ask them. Find some credible witnesses before, you know, instead of trying to get me to perjure myself before you. And what follows Jesus' response is one of the most uh, ironic events you could find in Scripture. An officer struck Jesus and says to him, is that how you answered a high priest? If there was ever a moment for someone to say, do you know who you're talking to? <laughs> it, it would be that moment right then. But, you know, that's the way we think. That's the way I think. And obviously we see Jesus didn't operate that way. As we see, his response was full of grace. But unknowingly, this officer struck the great high priest. Jesus could have responded with, high priest? Is this how you treat your creator? John 1.3 reminds us that all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Colossians 1.17 declares that he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. So here we have the creator and the sustainer of the universe willingly subjecting himself to being struck and questioned by those that have no regard for him and are ready to kill him. Jesus is actually giving breath to this officer that hit him. He's keeping his heart beating while he's accusing him and beating him. In this, we see Jesus is experiencing the betrayal of everyone, those near and far. Inside the house of the high priest, he's struck and questioned. Outside in the courtyard, he's being denied by the one who said he would die with him. And so finally, this, this brings us to the final two denials of Peter. I know this is why everybody came. We want to get to the meat of the subject, you know, get to the heart of the matter. Peter's denial. And so again, we focus on the denial of Peter. I want us to walk away with, with two main points, two main ideas, which really as, you, as we finish, you'll see that it's just one idea. Uh, but the first point I think we can, or the first lesson I think we can learn from Peter's denial is that I am not. For those that love points and love keeping score, the first point is I am not. You got that? You got it? Okay. You got it? All right. All right. I am not. And so we return to the scene of this fireside chat, and Peter is again being questioned on his identity as a follower of Christ. We plainly see that he denies that he is or was a disciple. Ultimately, Jesus' words become reality. We see Jesus, you know, uh, prophesy, if you will, that Peter would deny him three times, and obviously we see that that happened. But I think it's interesting to see uh, and kind of zoom in on Peter's responses, uh, that we would compare uh, compare and contrast Peter's responses here with those of Jesus in our earlier section of John 18. So Pastor Philip earlier Uh, last week highlighted for us that Jesus responded to the soldiers with his ego, a me, in the Greek, the I am. I think it's interesting we see that Jesus doesn't wait for anyone to ask him who he's looking for. He initiated the interaction. It's as if Jesus said, let's let's just go on with it. I know what's about to happen. Who are you looking for? And so if you look up at verse 4, it says that he knew what would happen to him. So essentially, he, 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 he initiated the conversation with them. And then we look at, uh, at Peter's denials. Peter 
he wasn't initiating the, the conversation. He was waiting. He was actually avoiding uh, the, the, the confrontation. And so twice you see Jesus replying to the, to the soldiers with, I am. And we see that in the, you know, in the Greek. But what's interesting about what Peter responds with, he responds with, uh, in the Greek, ouk me," which is literally not I am. Two times he responds to their question, not I am. Or as we see, you know, put in, in, in ways that we can read it, I am not. I, I, I tell you, as one that has studied a little bit of Greek, to see this in the text, I, I'm, I'm hoping I can, can relate to you how it landed on me this week. The fact that Peter is responding, not I am. Like, I'm, I'm not the I am that you're asking, you're asking me, do I know him? I don't know the I am. This is, this is what he's telling this servant and, and those that are asking him in, in, the, in that fire. Peter, he, he's quickly coming to the, to the terms of the fact that he's not the I am. Now, Peter knew he had right theology. He, he was the one that declared that Jesus was the son of God. He would have never said publicly or privately that, that I'm the I am. But you see, the deceitfulness of pride leads us to think that we are. Is this not what Peter had been declaring all along? He knew that Jesus was the great I am, but internally he had built his own list of I am statements. I am the faithful disciple. I am the one that will be with Jesus to the end. When all others fall away, yet stands me, for I am Peter. You see, Peter... He had the right theology. He had all the right words, but inwardly he was relying on himself. Peter was full of pride. What Peter had to learn was that there's only one I am. There's no room for two. Again, for those that are keeping score, Jesus declared I am twice. Peter declaring I am not twice. I think it's helpful for us, again, to look at the other gospel accounts to, to gain insight on, on Peter in this moment. Luke uh, chapter 22, verses 61 and 62, it reads, And the Lord turned and looked at Peter. This is after Peter had denied him three times. He sees Jesus being, you know, I guess carried out to, uh, to Caiaphas. And Peter remembered the saying of the Lord, how he had said to him before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. And so in this moment, the depth of of Peter's sin, it weighed on him. It, it, It hit him. This moment would mark Peter for the rest of his life. This was exactly what Jesus knew Peter had to go through to see his need for a savior. As Jesus turned and looked at Peter, no words were necessary. No, no, I told you so. Peter immediately knew. This was Peter's I am not moment. But the question for us is, what about us? What about you? Have you had your I am not moment? Have you had a moment in your life where you where you really realize not just mentally, not Sunday school, not I'm a sinner, so I need Jesus, but. Can you remember a time in your life 
when you really knew in the, in the, in like deep down in your bones that I am not who I think I am, that I need a Savior, that I have sin that I can't deal with. Can you remember that the first time that that, that, that happened to you? I would say as a Christian, I've had more moments of, of recognizing that I am not more than I care to remember. That's the, I mean, that's the process of being a Christian, to be confronted with the fact that I have sin, I need a Savior, and to turn to that Savior. But for me, I, I can remember it. Uh, I, mean, I can see it. I can see the place I was sitting in. I can, I can hear the words of the man that was preaching. It was 2005. I, I couldn't articulate all of the, the, the sin and just, just what was going on in my life, but I knew in that moment that I needed Jesus, but th- that that was... My life was about self, and I just knew I was not living life the way God had intended. I couldn't even articulate what to pray. I just remember turning around in my seat and just saying, God, I, I just need you to help me see what life is like. Help me to know you. Can you remember that time in your life this morning? The time when you... This is what Peter, this is why he wept bitterly. He knew that he was not. My prayer for all of us this morning is that we can have that I am not moment. That you, like Peter, would weep bitterly over your sin. To be clear this morning, I, I don't think you can claim Christ as your Savior if you have not had that I am not moment. Christ has nothing to save you from if you don't know that you need saving. For, P, for Peter in that moment, when he looked at, when Jesus looked at him, he saw his sin. It was as, it was as if Christ was a mirror to, to reflect uh, his sin back onto Peter's heart. He, I mean, he just was broken. He was undone. He could not take it anymore. All of the, the bravo and, and, and all of the tough guy attitude just melted away. What Peter needed to see in that moment was not just to see Jesus and to see his sin, but to see Jesus and also see his Savior. And so I think the second lesson that we learn from this passage is that I am not, but Jesus is. And so you can divide it up into one or two points, but really what I want you to walk away with from this passage is that I am not, but Jesus is. I mean, th- this is the heart of the gospel. You fill in the blank. I'm sure Peter would say, I am not faithful, but Jesus is. I am not holy. But Jesus is. I am not a disciple, but Jesus is. I know when I say that, you may be wondering, when was Jesus a disciple? Disciples are learners, right? When did Jesus learn? How could the one who created all things learn anything? Well, what we learn when we, when we read Hebrews 5, verses 8 through 10, is that although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered. 
And being made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey him, being designated by God a priest, a high priest, after the order of Melchizedek. So even for Peter in that moment, his denial of Christ as a disciple, Jesus is like, I got it. I've been a disciple all along. I've been learning obedience through suffering. I've been walking in, in obedience to the Father. So when you're not a disciple, I'm a disciple. Even that's covered. And so it's, it's not that Jesus makes up the difference where we would say, I have this, but Jesus makes up for what I don't have. The whole point of the gospel is that whatever you think you have is not a positive, it's actually a negative. Jesus bridges that infinite gap where you are and the perfect righteous standard that you should have. The gospel says to us that Jesus is the great I am and we are the great I am nots. This is what we, this is what we read this morning, 1 Timothy 1.15. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into, came into the world to save sinners of whom, get this, I am the foremost. And so Paul's I am statement is not that I'm, I'm the, I'm, I am the faithful apostle. He's saying, I am the worst of sinners. And so if you want to say that you are something this morning, that's where you lay your claim. And so as we close, I, I want us to understand that we have, a, we have an enemy that, that would love to keep us at the I am not phase. This enemy is, is Satan, our, our accuser. He lives to constantly accuse you and remind you that you are not. By focusing on Jesus and the work that he came to accomplish, which was our freedom, we can live in the confidence of but Jesus is. Consider this possibility that, that, for, that for Peter, I don't know this to be true, I'm just, I'm just imagining, so just, just walk with me for a little bit, that he may be, had a daily reminder of his sin against Jesus. Think about it. The rooster crowed. I'm sure he lived, wherever he lived, in a time frame where there was probably roosters around. Just imagine the trauma of waking up at 4 in the morning, hearing a rooster, and being immediately brought to your remembrance, man, I denied Christ three times. And having, having that play out day, after day, after day, after day. And so remember that, that Jesus, Jesus said, Peter, I pray for you. I pray that your faith would, would not fail. And so if, if Peter's faith was going to survive, he would have to daily say to his flesh and to Satan and to any other accusers that, yes, I am not. But what is also true is that Jesus is. And so it is with us. We walk in grace daily, moment by moment, depending on and in Jesus and what he is, not wallowing in what we are not. Consider, consider Revelation uh, chapter 12 and verse 10. It says, Now the salvation and the power and the kingdom of our God and the authority of, of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brothers has been thrown down, who, who accuses them day by day day and night before our God, and they have conquered him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. What is the testimony? I am not. 
but Jesus is. And as we grow as Christians, a little more gets added to that. Some of us might say, I am not what I ought to be, but I'm glad I'm not what I used to be. Praise be to Jesus. He's, he's my all in all. And so in a few moments, we're going to come to the Lord's table. And what these elements give us a physical opportunity to remember and to consider is, again, I am not, but Jesus is. Let's pray.